when Chris asked me if I could uh, preach for him this morning and add it up uh, since the last time due to hospitals and doctors and all that kind of junk. It's been since, since last October that I've been able to uh, speak, and so I'm looking forward to today. And um, Y'all might not be looking forward to much about it because I'm preaching on tithing, but um, anyway, let me go ahead and read our in- introduction verse, which is out of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And Malachi says, To bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. May God add his blessing and favor to the reading of his word. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we do come to you in your presence, thanking you and praising you for who you are, knowing that you are so much more than we can possibly fathom, so much more than we can comprehend, and so unworthy of all that you bless us with. So in the name of Jesus, we are going to ask you to speak to us today and teach us and raise us up to the potential that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. For it is in his holy and precious and wonderful name that we do ask and pray these things. Amen and amen. Well, I guess the first thing that we need to start out when it comes to discussing tithing is to talk about motivation. And so a lot of people have to come to this understanding of their philosophical rationalization in order to substantiate a theological justification that provides an alternative to avoid the biblical principle of tithing. In other words, that simply means people want to look for a loophole in order not to have to tithe and to uh, not have to deal with that subject. And that first sentence was supposed to be funny, but again, I'm out of uh, practice on all this. But um, I've been doing, I say this, it seems like every time now, but I have been doing this a long time. And of complaints that I've heard from people over the years and excuses, etc., is the fact that people don't want to believe in tithing. They want to say that tithing is an Old Testament principle. And what we have to come to a conclusion is either we believe this whole book Or we just believe the last, what is it, 27 chapters of it. 39, 27, I believe, is how the Old Testament and New Testament are broken up. 
And so we try to use the New Testament to negate the Old Testament. And when there's Old Testament principles that we don't agree with. And I've had people get up in my face about this. And not only this, but other things. But I want you to think about something. Why does God even want us to tithe? Why? I mean, God could turn everything to gold if he wanted to. If he wanted this building that we're in right now to be overlaid in gold, as he did. you remember the first temple? Everything was overlaid in gold. I mean, in the drapes and stuff, they had craftsmen. The be- They had the very best craftsmen come from all over the known world at that time, to build everything for the first temple. And even the um, tabernacle that they carried from place to place. So why would he want us to give a tithe is simply 10% of our income. Why does he want us to do that? Think about that for a minute. What good is it going to do him? What good is my 10% going to do, God? What good is your 10% going to do for God? And so if you really contemplate it and you think about it, tithing isn't for God. Tithing is for us. And it is something that God wants to allow to be a blessing in our lives and a lot of us don't look at it that way and especially this time of the year which is tax time a lot of people look at tithing as a spiritual tax that God puts on us and he's taxing us for being a Christian a Christian but let me throw down a few points for you here today and see if some of this will help make some sense out of tithing. First of all, tithing is simply a matter of trust. It is a matter of trust. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You gotta tr- Either that's true or it's not true. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Now you think about a contrast, and you think about a promise, and you think about trust, when it's saying that God was willing to give his own son over for us, and we know so that all of our sins could be forgiven, And we know that so we could have a place in heaven. It tells us that we can have some of heaven here on earth because he's going to freely give us all things. we got to trust God for that. That is a huge, huge deal. All right, next point. Tithing is a spiritual principle that has a promise that goes along with it. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. It says, Now this I say, this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. When it comes to giving, God doesn't want us to be grumpy. I mean, I remember in um, the first church I pastored that was up in Louisville, there were a, a group of guys, there were about five of them, and at that time they took up the offering at the beginning of the service. And so this group of guys would stay outside of the church until the, uh, they knew that the offering would be taken up, then they would come back into the church. Well, it just so happened I had one of them their college degrees. And so I moved the offering to the end of the service. So they, one way or the other, they'd have to stay out there or not come to church at all. But, you know, some people feel that way about it because there's this, when it comes to this grudgingly, having this grudgingly attitude, some people give out a guilt because they feel like, boy, if I don't give, you know, God's going to get me. Or some people don't give because of greed. So giving out a guilt or not giving out a greed, both of those negate the whole spiritual principle of tithing. We're supposed to give with a generous spirit, with joy. I've heard, I don't know that this is for every church, and I'm not suggesting it here, but that some churches applaud when they take up the offering because they want it to be noted as a joyful experience and that um, people should be glad that we have the opportunity. Again, remember, God does not need our tithe. The tithing is a principle, a spiritual principle with a promise, and it is meant for us. It is, again, built around trust, and it is, again, a possibility for God to prove his word to us that he will meet our needs. All right? Now, getting into the heavier, dutier part of it, and I don't know if dutier is a word, but it will be this morning. Tithing is a spiritual discipline or duty that must be put into a spiritual perspective and so I call this the three O's and I don't mean oh me oh my and oh no talking about ownership obligation and obedience that ought to be easy enough to remember ownership obligation and obedience and that comes to us built out of Malachi 3 but instead of just 10 want to add verses 8 and 9. Now you want to talk about um, heavy duty as far as getting up in your face. God really gets up in our faces in this. God in the time of Malachi was really basically fed up with the Israelites. And he says, 
Will a man rob God? Yet you were robbing me. And even in the scripture it puts an exclamation point there. So I don't know what in the Hebrew gives them that because they didn't use uh, punctuation in the writing. But you say, how have we robbed you? So he knows what the people are, how the people are going to respond more in their mind and what they're thinking. And then he answers in tithes and offerings. And then he says, you are cursed with a curse, with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. This happened um, a long time ago, probably over 20 years ago. Uh, some bandits, uh, bandits, thieves, uh, broke into a church. I don't guess you broke into it if the doors were unlocked. But they knew when the, it was a big church, and they knew when the offering was being taken up. And so uh, they robbed the ushers of the offering, which was a significant amount of money up in the twenty third dollars to $30,000 range. It was that big of a church. And so it made the news. And Johnny Hunt was um, still... Uh, First Woodstock, when it was in its initial stages of really growing, and the television, one of the television um, channels decided they were going to interview him and ask him what he, they, what he thought about someone who would rob a church of its tithes and offerings and stuff. And you kind of have to know Johnny Hunt, which I've met him a few times. He's preached for me and stuff. And he said, well, that weren't nothing. People rob the church, rob God every Sunday. And they said, uh, what in the world are you talking about? He says, well, them people in the church, they're robbing God of their tithes and offerings every Sunday. And he took a few minutes to preach to the uh television camera about what tithing was which I don't think that's what they were exactly after so um, and then verse 10 where the whole pro the promise come it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and he says and test me now on this now that's a strong um, challenge that God brings to us Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So let's quickly look at the three O's, okay? Ownership. We have to decide who, what belongs to who and how did who get what we have. Does that make sense? And when it comes to tithing, then we can start thinking, all right, do I own everything that I have because I've worked for it and, uh, and have accumulated things, I've invested, and it's all mine. So why does God want a part of all mine? I don't know if you've ever watched a child give. But I always get so tickled when offering plates are passed around and children are in the um, 
sanctuary and they can't wait till the offering plate goes by them and they drop their dollar or they drop their change into the um, offering plate and they're just so happy. And someone might reply and say, well, no wonder their mom or their dad gave them that money so it wasn't theirs anyway and so it wasn't any big deal for them to give that money and to put it into it. Well, I like to take that analogy and to apply it to the fact that we have what we have because of what God has given to us, because of what God has allowed us to possess. Some people have more than others, and obviously some people have a lot less than others. But God is not impressed with the mount when it comes to ownership. He's, I mean, when you can speak the world into being, you're not going to be impressed by anything that people that you made out of dirt. I mean, basically, Adam made out of dirt, and then life was put into him. What are we going to be able to do that impresses God? I mean, he wasn't impressed with the Olympics. In fact, did anybody watch the Olympics? There was phone, I got a phone survey saying, did you watch the Olympics? I just said no. (laughs) Quickest survey I did. But uh, anyway, I accidentally watched five minutes of it. But um, so decide, all right, if God has blessed me with what I have, then I need to be grateful and thankful for what he's blessed me with and then be willing to, to tithe uh, from Luke um, twelve thirty four, it tells us for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and so we've got to consider where is our heart, is our heart wrapped up in our stuff, or is our heart wrapped up in the things of heaven, the things of God? Okay, so that's ownership. Then obligation. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. The whole tithe, you know, there are so many people, I call it creative calculation. There are so many people that want to try to find some type of methodologies I mean, they get people like Alan who are great in math and say, help me know how to calculate my tithe, how much it should be. And then say, all right, um, should I tithe before taxes or after taxes? Should I tithe after I pay my bills and my taxes and all that sort of thing? And start looking for all these different creative ways to come up with how we're supposed to tithe. I believe, this is this is my heartbeat, I believe that if we, and I'm talking about we as believers across the world, if we were to tithe the 10% like um, Malachi 3.10 tells us to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, I believe that there would be so much additional money you would not have to depend on governments for anything. 
churches would be able to minister to people in need and be able to fulfill needs and it would just be something that would be absolutely incredible and it would be a blessing beyond our wildest understanding. So, uh, so you have to decide, I have to decide what my obligation is and how I'm going to handle the tithe. Um, I'll just let it go at that because it's basically self-explanatory. Um, then I've got to read to you Luke 6.38. And it says, Give and you will receive, for your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I mean, that's some pretty creative math that God did on his own right there. Okay? So we've talked about ownership. We've talked about obligation. Then comes the hard part. Obedience. Second Corinthians 9-7 says, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the obedient part. It's simple. We must do, I think it begins with, I don't think, let me, re, let me rephrase that. I know it begins with prayer. I know it begins with um studying God's word. Some scholars have said, and I've not taken time, I've read the Bible through a couple of three times, and I didn't make notes of this, but uh, some scholars have said that scripture talks more about money than it does any other subject in the entire Bible. Um. Jesus has said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get into heaven. And basically, in America, we're rich compared to all other nations and people. It's not talking about if you have a gigantic mansion on a hill. But the problem is, when it gets to the obedience, that we start struggling with giving because the devil puts this thought into our head or this motivation into our mind that we want more and more and more and more. If we've had this car to begin with, we want a fancier car the next time. They want a fancier car the next time, and etc. If we had this size of house to begin with, and then we want a bigger house and a better house, and a, you understand it, it. We all know what it is. I mean, it's the whole marketing thing that we see on television. Oh, and the biggest thing. Oh my goodness, is phones. I mean. Uh, 
how many people use 5% of what's on their smartphones, yet we want the Galaxy, we want, what are they, the iPad, what do they call iPhones? You can tell I don't use that when I got a Samsung, I think. And I don't hardly know to do anything on the phone. I, I couldn't do my GPS if I had to. But um, I guess maybe I could. But um, technology and I don't get along. So I know you younger folks are a lot smarter on the phones and stuff. But think about, they're basically computers. But yet, if we have the uh, iPhone 9, then the next thing, if a 10 comes out, you got to have the 10. And you know they're already working on the 11 so that you'll get the 11. And when you start thinking about a telephone costing, bless you, a telephone costing you $800, $900 for a telephone, my goodness, they have got us. And then we have to pay the bill for the thing on top of it. That's just, sorry, I'll get off that soapbox real quick. But you see how easy we get caught up in stuff and it's amazing, and we we forget about the things of God. We forget about how it takes money to do ministry. And it's something that will help us if we're obedient and growing spiritually. And God will bless us for it. It doesn't mean that, again, he will make us super wealthy it's not that kind of thing it's not like god is the stock market and that we invest in him and that he's going to turn around and give us 20 percent on our tithe uh, contributions dividend etc it's a matter of being faithful to him trusting in him and allowing him to bless us in a way that will honor and glorify him Again, see, that wasn't so bad. Tithing's a good thing. It always has been. It always will be. And that's why we purpose in our heart what we're going to do. We let God guide us, and we let God lead us. And then in the end, it's going to turn out in a way that will bring honor and glory to Him. So if you would, pray with me at this time.